You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern. Helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern and you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 17. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 17. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that this is a special relaunch episode after a long hiatus. So let me start off by telling you about a few changes you can expect for the show moving forward. First, I'll be bringing on more frequent guest co-hosts. These are generally going to be writers I know well, people who can chat with me about industry issues on a casual and conversational basis, as opposed to interviews. I'll occasionally bring in non-writer guests for special episodes and series as well. This will also be a weekly show moving forward rather than bi-weekly. The plan as of now is to alternate shows with guest co-hosts and solo episodes where I will tackle questions from members of the community. Taking the suggestion of fellow freelancer John Sores of ProductiveWriters.com, I'll also tackle just one topic per episode in most cases, and I'm shooting for longer shows. They will be a minimum of 30 minutes each and up to 60 minutes when I host guests. Finally, far more episodes will be labeled explicit. If you can't handle profanity, this show might not be for you. And you should hit the stop button now because this episode is likely to be full of it. Now, let's get to today's topic. The apparent pride the Huffington Post feels in not paying its bloggers and why professional writers should give a shit. I'm joined today by one of my favorite people in the freelance writing community, Lori Widmer of Words on the Page. You can find her at wordsonpageblog.com. This is our pre-recorded chat where we talk about the Huffington Post, content mills, cheap clients, and more. So, Lori, welcome. Hey, thanks. It's great to be back. This is Lori's second visit here to the podcast, and I'm sure I'll have her back for much more. She is one of my go-to gals, the ones who help to rein me in when I get a little too, I don't know, Lori, what's the word? (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about Huffington Post. Just to give listeners a little bit of background as to why we're talking about this, one of the Huffington Post's editors, Stephen Hull, recently said that they were proud to have unpaid bloggers writing for the site because paying writers while they're accepting ad revenue somehow makes their work less authentic, which is essentially bullshit corporate speak for we are so cheap and high on our own self-importance that we don't think we should have to pay writers for creating what amounts to the backbone of our business. Lori and I are going to talk about that today in large part because of a post we saw on another freelancer's blog. After wrestling with this question, I have decided not to name this particular blogger, And I don't want it to be about this person so much Mm -hmm. as some of the questions and arguments that they made. So that's how Lori and I are going to handle this. Now, this blogger's basic argument is that other writers should just stop talking about Huffington Post and go on their merry way doing their own work. My first reaction when I saw that was if it weren't for people speaking up against these things, writers like you wouldn't have the kind of opportunity that you have. But more importantly, there's this misconception that the Huffington Post not paying writers is similar to other forms of marketing in ways that it simply isn't. So one of the questions posed was basically, why is no one bitching about LinkedIn when they're not paying you to publish either? 
then there was a question of why aren't we angry about entrepreneurs offering low wages to writers? And then there was a question about content agencies that have been penalized by Google in that comparison. Those are key areas that we want to tackle today. And then we're going to move on to Stephen Hull's completely asinine comment about authenticity. So, Lori, let's start with LinkedIn. To me, you know, comparing Huffington Post to LinkedIn is like saying two plus two equals orange. They're, they're not even the same thing. Huffington Post is a huge media outlet. LinkedIn is not. <laughs> uh, in fact, here's their mission statement. It says, to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. That is not media. That is a networking site. They aren't even the same entity from the beginning. So to yeah. compare them even at that basic level is rather unfounded. One of the points brought up had to do with their revenue. And that kind of caught my attention because I was thinking LinkedIn has had significant revenue long before they've had yeah. this publishing platform. That's not necessarily where the value is coming from. And I wish that we had had Kathy Miller, our resident LinkedIn expert, on this call, too. She had brought up a point when we were talking about it privately that LinkedIn, you know, a lot of the money and all, it's it's a recruitment tool, basically. And a lot of the business model is tied to that recruitment aspect more so than the publishing and monetizing that directly. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point. I think an even better point, and really the key distinction, though, is the fact that LinkedIn is not trying to lend you some false sense of authority. They're not a publication, whereas Huffington Post is trying to be seen as a legitimate media outlet and therefore giving you more value in the sense that when you publish us for us for free, you're getting this fabulous exposure and we're a high authority website, so it's worthwhile to publish here as opposed to anywhere else. And it's like when you're publishing on LinkedIn, everybody knows you're publishing tied to your own profile And it's essentially a form of vanity publishing. You're publishing it just to publish it. And Mm -hmm. again, like you said, it's networking to connect with people in your profession. That is a very specific niche site. It is not a publication that is trying to be everything to everyone. And Mm -hmm. there's a huge difference. And I think if you can't understand that fundamental difference, the problems go way beyond whether you're willing to write something for free. I mean, every, look, I'm sorry, every writer is going to write something for free to promote themselves because writing is involved in so much marketing. And that's reality. So people who say you should never write for free, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because they're not thinking it through. And there's a big difference between what should be paid work and what is written in the sense of promoting your own company. Now, LinkedIn as social media is very clearly about promoting your company, networking, connecting. No one's making you do it. Some of these um, Huffington Post contributors that I came across in my research had actually been approached by editors at Huffington Post. Oh, you know, we love this successful blog post of yours. We'd like to publish it and not pay you for it. Exactly. Because and that's a big difference. You, you just promoted yourself and somebody will give it away. Exactly. And, and here's the thing that bothers me about the whole argument, as you stated, that the Huffington Post and LinkedIn's income and revenue has anything to do with the fact that these writers aren't paid. Why aren't we getting paid? I, I don't understand it. I, I don't see that a company's money or lack thereof has any bearing on why we're not paid because honestly, they don't care if I don't have money. Exactly. It, exactly. It, they're a business. If they can't run their business correctly, that's not my problem. I still expect compensation for my skills. We'd expect the same of smaller businesses who make far less. And guess exactly. what? Those smaller businesses, they are paying. 
And you know, that actually brings me to the second point. They were asking, the blogger was asking, why aren't writers so upset about entrepreneurs offering low pay? And this one, I'm going to try to keep this one reasonably short because this one really pisses me off. And this could be an episode all on its own. So now, you know, Lori, most of my clients mm-hmm. happen to be entrepreneurs. I've also yeah. worked with nonprofits, big and small. I've worked with large corporate clients. I've worked with publications, blogs, websites. But most of my clients are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And this is a newsflash, darling. They happily pay my get out of bed rate of $150 an hour. And when I say get out of bed rate, that means that is the minimum rate that it would take for me to drag my ass out of bed to work on your projects rather than mine. The vast majority of my projects come in at a much higher rate than that base. I was talking to Lori privately before we started recording this, and I told her, I said, with my ongoing clients, the ones who I write press releases for specifically, press releases generally net me around $300 an hour. That's what I get to. So to say that entrepreneurs aren't willing to pay is such complete and utter horseshit. And well, it, it is. It, it is, is because, because I'm working with entrepreneurs right now. I'm making 150 an hour. They're paying willingly because yep. they know that that's an investment in their company. Exactly. And this is, you know, the issue when I've actually worked with corporate clients, I find not always but sometimes they're actually a little bit stingier. And that's yeah. because they might have a limited department budget where they know they're not going to get more money for the project just because they want to spend more. Whereas when I'm working with an entrepreneur, I'm working with the owner. And mm-hmm. they get to make those decisions and say, okay, yeah, I'm willing to fork over a little more to do this right. And that's the key. They know the value of every dollar they spend because they can't afford, let's say I write a bunch of shit content for their site. And then a few mm-hmm. months down the road, they get penalized by Google. Now they have to pay an SEO person or someone else to come in and clean up the mess of all the old exactly. content and hire another writer to come in and create actual worthwhile content. And they can't afford to do that. They want to do it right the first time. So here's what I have to say about that. If all you can find are entrepreneurs who are willing to pay like 20 bucks an hour, then that is not a problem with the market. That is a problem with you. You don't have the skills that they need, or maybe you don't understand the market, or you really suck at promoting yourself because (laughs) something is wrong in that mix, and it's not the fact that these clients don't exist. You're not finding them, or you're not attracting them, or you're not able to convert them when you do find them, and you can work on that. I've seen this happening. They're fishing in the wrong pond. They're they're going after yeah. low-hanging fruit. They're accepting offers that they know don't fit, and they're getting screwed financially. Exactly. Don't accept a job from someone who isn't willing to pay your rate. Yes, you can negotiate, but if it's like half your rate, if it's even three-quarters of your rate, you can stop and think, okay, maybe this is worth it. But if it's anything lower than three-quarters of what you charge now, why are you doing it? Is it going to benefit you in any way? It's actually very stupid for people to generalize about this batch of clients won't pay. I have so many entrepreneurs right now, single-person shops paying me my rate without question. I have, just as you said, I have corporations who are saying, oh, we only have this much in our budget. Well, great, then this is what you buy. This is what you get for that amount of money. So, you know, it's it's lumping everyone in the same basket, and it's it's quite unfair to writers who are listening to this bullshit. 
I think one of the problems is that you try to emulate some mentor instead of finding your own market and doing what's going to be right for you. Mm-hmm. And this is where the problems come in. You make these assumptions about certain markets and certain types of clients, and then you spread it to other new writers. And in reality, it's complete and utter BS. Stop looking to one particular person for all of their damn advice and yeah. assume that yeah. everything said is gospel and everything said applies to them and then going around freaking parroting it. It's like you're trying to emulate somebody's career when they can't do what you clearly wanted to do. If you yeah. wanted to work with those smaller clients, then you need to be following someone who's done so successfully, exactly. not someone who hasn't. So we've already talked about this longer than I intended to. So let's let's move on now to the issue of content mills, content farms, and how this mm-hmm. is or isn't necessarily the same thing. And you know, the basic idea is why aren't we upset about you know these content agencies, which are the companies that were pu- punished basically by Google not that long ago. And the truth is, we are upset about that. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of us have covered it for years. And the reason the situation is better now, the reason that Google went and penalized sites like this is because a lot of us spoke up about it and we fought that bullshit and we encouraged all out campaigns to get writers to and other writers, bloggers, everybody involved to get Google to take a deeper look at some of these sites. And do you know what? It took a while, but those sites did get slammed. And people didn't believe me years ago when I told them to look at the history of content networks from way back, about.com, sweet101.com, and watch. They have a certain life cycle, and they do. They all change their models. They all change Mm -hmm. how they pay writers. They all end up either shutting down, getting sold. Something always happens like that, and they didn't want to hear it. Writers didn't want to hear it. Everything's going to stay honky-dory the way it is. (laughs) And you know what? They were wrong. A lot of those sites are now gone. Others yeah. have cut back on the writers they've hired. Others have changed their revenue models to the point where writers aren't making nearly as much. Some of these writers were caught off guard, suddenly cut out of these income streams that they'd invested years of time into. And you'd think that they would have learned, but many haven't. And many new freelancers are now coming into the mix, completely ignorant about that past. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Here I am. I'm calling it again. Eventually, Huffo is going to get hit by Google. Might take oh, sure. a while, but it's coming. And it, you know it's why? It's going to take a little longer because yeah. they are media, but it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And that's the problem is they're starting a trend. It's like demand, you know, started changing the trend with content mills and eventually Google had to take notice. Okay. They're going to have to take notice as more start following mm-hmm. Huffington Post. But you know why this is coming? What they're doing right now is they're essentially trading do follow links, at least on the posts I checked, oh they would God. do follow links for free content which is rankings manipulation. Well, here's a fun little tidbit. Do you want to know where you can find a lot of info on getting published by Huffington Post? On Black Hat SEO forums. So, oh, really? Yeah, oh. that should tell you something, right? So it's it's interesting, you know, watching the changes at Google and everything now. I'd be interested to see how things mm-hmm. progress in what direction, how quickly. But yeah. I still say it's coming. They may have some paid contributors, and that's fantastic. But they also have a lot of republished material. They have a shit ton of shallow content. Oh, yeah. So what do they do? Oh, they yeah. open it up for links. Hey, you're going to give us your stuff for free. We're going to give you these do-follow links. Well, that's, that's how sites get penalized. That's the problem, too, because writers seem to think that working for free for Huffington Post is a good idea because it's exposure. 
<laughs> this is a problem because they're setting the business model for every other site. And in fact, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, the Atlantic Online stopped paying its writers and then justified it with a blog post that was basically a bitch slap to every writer, uh, saying that, gee, you get exposure. Well, yeah, you're saying that. Huffington Post is saying that. Who's next? And at yeah. some point, who's going to be left to pay writers? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's become a business model that too many people are following. And writers have their heads in the sand if they think that the model isn't going to keep perpetuating. Maybe instead of shutting up about this disgrace and the whole blogging mm-hmm. community, maybe we need to speak up more. Because the biggest disappointment to me in the freelance community over the last couple of years, it's the fact that so many of the real experts who were here just five years ago and a little longer than that, they've gone quiet. They've stopped blogging or they seriously cut back or they've just stopped caring because it wasn't worth it to try to stand out against the big mouth. Yeah, you had these big mouth pseudo experts who would come in and basically dominate conversations and... Mm -hmm. They would use these other sites, and it was just it just became such a shitstorm for a while. It, it was a, a topic I used to constantly pound on when demand media was at the top of its game. New writers coming in think, oh, it's easy money. It's mm-hmm. a way to get going. Yeah, and guess what? Just created a volume mentality for yourself. Yep. Your clips are pretty much useless because not too many editors want those. And you, Google doesn't love you, and you're not taking yourself seriously pretty much because you're working with an editor who's making the same crap amount of money you are, and how good are they? You don't know. You may be a great writer. I, I, I'm not saying good writers don't work for them. I'm saying you don't know the quality of your editor. You're certainly not going to impress clients with these kinds of clips. And we've seen such a decline in that, though. And that's that's yeah. that's what's good. It's that the people who are out there fighting against that, it's just so sad because they're the ones who are gone. It's infuriating. I, I was looking back recently at some of the bloggers who I used to adore, the ones who were vocal, the ones who would speak their minds. And you know what? You know, this, this individual basically told people, stop bitching about Huffington Post and focus on your work. And it was like, that's what they're doing. They're busy writing for clients now who pay them well. While these newer self-professed experts are so caught up in byline envy that they spend an absurd amount of time on guest posting and writing for sites like the Huffington Post. Yet they're the ones who are out there trying to give freelance advice. And it's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And you know what? And this is the byline issue. The vast majority of bloggers I know (laughs) who are making $500 or more per post and sometimes much more are ghostwriting for businesses. They're not out there giving a shit about Huffington Post or whatever other site is in your niche. And you bring up a good point because, you know, it may be in your wheelhouse to work for Huffington Post or all these other cheaper, low-paying places. But what's that doing for your business? What kind of business do you have and are you proud of it? If the only thing you have to show for it is a few bucks and a clip from what you think are big name industries, ask yourself if it's really the goal you were reaching for. Well, it was funny, you know, because when I was prepping for this with you, I was looking up, I, I wanted to see some of the benefits people had gotten from writing for Huffington Post. So I found this post essentially set up as, a tutorial on getting published at Huffington Post, as you know, these insider tips. And but with each of them, the writer 
was asked what benefits they've seen from writing for them. And I thought, oh, for sure, you know, this person went out of their way. They must have found people who found some kind of financial benefits. Okay, let me hear about that. And no, I couldn't believe it. Not a single one of them had any financial benefits. One, (laughs) One listed their benefit as validation. And I'm validation. I'm not kidding. So you can get validation while you're fucking getting paid. It's like, what the hell? (laughs) It's kind of a weak argument. It really was. (laughs) Another one was like, well, I'm working on a, I'm working on a novel or something and I'm hoping it'll help me get a book deal later. And I was like, well, that's not really Really? a benefit. (laughs) That's wishful thinking. It's not a benefit. (laughs) One plus one equals what? (laughs) Yeah, it was strange. strange. Um, Another one said, you know, oh, well, I got noticed by, by you as in the blog publishing the story about them it's like okay <laughs> that, that's that's a huge benefit it's justification for taking work for free and yeah anytime i hear someone shouting from the rooftops about how it's great to work for free mm-hmm. they're not so sure or they wouldn't be yeah. defending themselves exactly you know, if if this blogger wants to work for free great i yeah not yourself out. it is your choice but it is not a sound reason for other people to follow your lead. Nor is Just, it a reason for freelancers, people who by their very definition are doing this to get paid, to stop yeah. criticizing a publication that exploits writers in any way. They're they have a valid yeah, they have a valid yeah. argument when other publications you know, they follow suit. And you brought up the issue of them getting defensive when there's mm-hmm. general criticism being published about this company they choose to write for. Exactly. And and you're dead on because that was one of the things I was thinking was the real mistake you're making is thinking that broader criticisms about a company are directed at you personally. Exactly. It's and, like, and maybe there's always going to be one asshole who's going to say you're stupid for doing that. Well, that's their opinion. You don't have yeah. to listen to it. You don't have to no. respond to it. Ignore it. Be a bigger person. Exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of 2010 with the whole demand media debacle mm-hmm. where you couldn't say a word about demand media without their little minions coming after you and saying, oh, no, yeah. we're great writers. We're fabulous writers. How dare and you maybe criticize they were, us? But... <laughs> and it was like, oh. well, hold on. Nobody here criticized you. It was incredibly frustrating. And it's like, like you said, you know, if they want to write for Huffington Post, Write for Huffington Post. But, you know, don't tell others to stop bitching about something that affects their industry and focus on their own work when you can't be bothered to take your own advice. Truthfully, people who are busy freelance writers because they've built their business, they're not even paying attention to what you're doing, so they don't care. I don't care in the sense that I don't care what your choice was. Am I going to try to talk you out of it? Probably. Am I going to be nasty? Not me. But yours is more of a wake-up call, Jen. <laughs> you, oh, I, when I was doing the whole railing against content mills, there were people who took offense, and they said, look, this isn't about you. It's about trying to help you see your own damn value. Exactly. You know, you're worth exactly. more than that. Well, and you know what? I remember some of the people who came to All Freelance Writing, which is what All Indie Writers was at the time, and, man, they went at me in the comments. And that's oh, fine. That's fine because I'm perfectly happy going at you in the comments too. <laughs> but so we had some lively debates back then about demand. And but you know what? Wouldn't you fucking know it? It was the ones who went at me the hardest and told me what a dumb shit I must be that came back to me later 
thanking me and saying, man, really? you know, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't believe you then, but now I see that you were right. Yeah. Further down the road, they they saw it. They learned the hard way. And you know what? Some people have to learn the hard way, and that's Some fine. Let them do yeah. it. I've had my share of people justifying it. I remember one in particular. This was on Ann Wayman's um, blog back on back in the day. He had said that he worked for Demand, I believe it was at the time, and he was making $100,000 or more a year. Well, he used the most convoluted math, and no matter how many times I hit it with the calculator, it didn't add up. You'd have to work 24-7. You'd have yeah. to have two people helping you to hit that. Each time he did the math, he changed the number that he started yep. with to try yeah. to justify himself. I'm like, yeah, that's not working. <laughs> I remember, I remember that whole. <laughs> yeah, you remember There's a that? lot, a lot like, of I just wanted to pull up <laughs> And yeah, at some point, I, I decided, you know what? I'm just arguing with a brick wall. He's set in his ways. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> and I did. Exactly. And I don't know where that guy is to this day because he's not around. He never made the splash he said he was making. <laughs> and that's it. Most of the people who were really gung ho about them, guess who mm -hmm. shut up and disappeared? It's frustrating to me to see somebody take offense like that to something that really didn't have anything to do with them personally. Because then it's like, what do you do? You publish something on your blog, and oh, yeah. then all of a sudden, yeah, it does become about you. Because now you are affecting new writers who are reading that. Yeah. And that's a completely different story. And you're trying to justify to them their own mistake or their own yeah. choices. And let them come to that on their own. It's no better than them when they're, you know, when they're clinging to every word their mentor says, trying to yeah. emulate them instead of, taking the tidbits that might work for them and trying to build their own career. And that's yeah. where a lot of new writers go wrong. They they try yeah. to be someone else. And I've had it happen to me too, where one particular writer was so obsessed with doing everything that I did, thinking that they were going to basically become me. They modeled their branding after mine. I they, remember that. <laughs> their website copy, everything, website, yes. <laughs> everything was modeled. And, it was really, really frustrating, and for me, I mean, it made me really angry. Well, yeah, I can understand because while most people would say, "Well, aren't you flattered?" I'd say, "No, that's that's diluting my brand." Well, no, it's you know? yeah, it's not even that, but it's like you're not helping yourself, and no. if you're not helping yourself, if you're taking what I'm saying and this is what mm -hmm. you're getting out of it, then something is wrong because exactly. this is not what I'm trying to convey to you. You need to build your own business. And yeah. yeah, there's stuff that you can learn from my experience and there's stuff that you can learn from other freelance writers' experience. But ultimately, you have to experience things for yourself. Exactly. And, and you have to try it. And if you, yeah. I mean, I say it on my blog a lot. If yeah. there and is I'll, no, there's no template that everyone fits into. And that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand yeah. when they start down this path. You and I just want to clarify quick here that when we say you should try something, we're not saying go out there and try writing for demand media and try writing for Huffington Post. Right. We're saying <laughs> no that reason. in general, the kinds of tactics that you learn about, you know, like the example we gave earlier of, mm -hmm. you know, targeting entrepreneurs versus larger corporate clients is if that is the kind of client that you want to work with, don't think that you can't because somebody else said you can't. Go out there and try it. Try to make it work. Try to build the business that you want to make. If you want to write for Huffington Post, then go ahead and write for Huffington Post. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would say 
you can write for free if you want. You can do what you want. It's your choice. Just weigh it against the amount of time that you would be spending earning money with clients. And, exactly. you know, try to keep a balance. And if you can't keep that balance, if you find yourself stuck in that free or low-paying rut, volunteer your time for a nonprofit. It's going to yep. look so much better on your portfolio. It does. <laughs> it it does. totally is. Yeah, and you know, stop trying to justify your choices. And if you don't have to justify them, none of us exactly. care enough that you need to justify them. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not a personal attack if someone hates the company or the site that you work for. It's just their opinion, and opinion. Exactly. Well, I won't say what opinions are, but everybody knows. You know, <laughs> everybody's got one. <laughs> yeah. So. I was talking to Princess Jones in one of the previous podcast episodes, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about negative book reviews, and she made an observation that I think applies here, too. She said, you know, when I go into McDonald's and I say, oh, these fries suck, that guy doesn't take it personally. You know, he's like, oh, somebody didn't like my fries today. It just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And that's the kind of same thing here. With book reviewers, she was talking about authors taking personal offense if somebody criticizes something about her book as if it's an extension of themselves. And here it's the same thing. What you have is somebody, a blogger, who is treating that writing like an extension of themselves. They're not emotionally detached enough to be able to separate criticism of a publication Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. criticism of them personally. And you don't want to be in that position because all you do is you set yourself up to then be open to criticism because you react (laughs) like this. As you mature as a prof- as a writer and you become that professional, you will find that the emotions have no place in your business. Exactly. None. Exactly. And and starting out defending yourself is not a good way to start a business. Just you no. know, be who you are. Don't make excuses. Don't make apologies. And say, damn it, it's mine to control and control it. <laughs> you yep. know. And that's the other thing I was thinking of, you know, the time that went into this. It was how much time do you spend being angry about it before you even sit down and write that post? And it's like, again, that's more time that you could have put into finding paying work. And you brought up a point. I can't remember exactly what you said now, but it made me think about, you know, you were talking about, you know, think about how much paying work you could be doing during this time Mm -hmm. before you work for free. And this is why I tell new freelancers. Working for free is fine as long as you know how to get a benefit out of it and you're prepared to do that. And you allocate marketing time for that Mm -hmm. free writing. Do not take it out of your billable hours. It is marketing time. If you take it out of your marketing time, it doesn't matter. If you're writing a brochure for your own website, if you're writing new web copy, if you're writing your own blog posts, if you're writing, oh, that was another issue I was brought up, writing for your own blog, but that is definitely another episode. That is, that is way too <laughs> that could much. That two hours. <laughs> that is way too much for here. Um, but all that, all that stuff you're writing and not getting paid for, whether it's Huffington Post or, or even just crappy pay that doesn't really fit into your billable target, mm-hmm. that stuff needs to be treated as marketing. It needs to come out of that other time. Right. And if you do that, then you really have no reason to feel offended because it's not your freelance work that's representing you. It's your marketing. It's something you're doing to promote yourself, whether that's LinkedIn or HuffPo or whatever. And that's fine. But 
remember to treat it that way. You know, it's just exactly so frustrating. I feel like I've been saying this for for years, and it's like, it just doesn't sink in. And why do I have to keep saying it? Why are people it's, still getting offended over the same thing? <laughs> I know. I, I get the same way because you know, you and I have both been railing against content mills for mm. how long? My gosh. And now we've just got a bastardized version of it, to be honest. Exactly. And it's it's frustrating to see new and emerging writers thinking that that's a step up into a career. Yeah, PuffPo does have a bit more of an impact in the industry. But if you tell people you're blogging for them, they're going to say, oh, so you don't get paid either. It's been in the news, people. You know? Yeah. And they're writers suing for not getting paid. And, and, you know, they lost the case, and for good reason. The truth was they chose mm-hmm. to write for free. You can't go back after the fact and no. ask no. for money. So I thought it was a terrible situation. But, yeah, again, you should have thought of that up front. And, yeah. But people are still making that same decision, and mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, it's just absolutely frustrating. Well, and as long as they get away with it and as long as mm-hmm. they keep getting free content, they're going to keep oh, yeah. doing it. That's all there is to They're going to keep doing it. Ariana Huffington is going to continue to have millions of dollars. Yep. And, you know, the writers who were bitching were doing so because they found out how much she made. I'm definitely going to have to have you back to talk about the whole definitely. owned media because you bring that up about building your own, you know, mm-hmm. media sources. Like, you know, she, well, guess what? That's what she did. So yeah, exactly. if you want to idolize Ariana Huffington, why don't you try emulating her in the sense of building your own thing? She's just one person. and. She- she made a difference. Why can't any writer do that? Yeah. And a lot of them do. A lot yeah, do. do. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised how much a lot of bloggers make with their own properties. So, all right, let's let's forget this blog post here for a minute. And let's just get to the underlying issue of why so many people are really pissed off, which is the fact that their editor said that being paid for writing essentially makes your work less <laughs> authentic which is obviously complete and utter horseshit. So what's worse, right? You have these people who are publishing for free for backlinks for the sole right. purpose of promoting their own site or their own business. Now, how the fuck is that authentic content as opposed to <laughs> someone who's actually being paid where that compensation affords them the opportunity to spend more time researching an issue, conducting interviews, and really thinking about a topic in depth before publishing an article. You know, it's like I would... It just made me want to tell HuffPo where they can stuff all that fake authenticity oh, honestly, because yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. You you think to yourself, why is anyone buying this? <laughs> what, what is this? I don't know. So that's I think that's pretty much the gist of uh, this whole issue. And <laughs> to summarize, look, if you're writing for HuffPo, you want to write for HuffPo, go ahead, go for it, do it. Most of us who are actually getting paid for writing, we really don't give a shit. But that's what we much do give a shit about is when you start spouting things off that could affect new writers, the ones that we have been spending years, in my case, a decade. Actually, all indie writers will be 10 years old this fall. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. You know, we've put a lot of time and effort into that, and we've put a lot of time and effort into fighting the very things that you're saying that people should be fighting now. And the situation five, six, ten years ago was so much worse. So... It just pisses me off when people talk about things that they do not understand and then have the gall to tell people what they should and shouldn't care about without realizing that it was those people caring about issues just like this who made it a better position for them and other new writers when they were able to come in. 
Yeah, and so I, I think too. I think they've got to understand it's tough love. There, there are writers out there who tell you you're full of shit for writing for these places and say you are worth more than this. Look, some people are beyond that. Some people are beyond that. They're not going to wake up, and and that's fine. We we can't help everybody, and we know that, and we're okay with that. And if we piss a few people off in the process, that's okay. But the yeah. simple fact is that there are writers who listen. There are writers who learn. That yeah. who pay attention to these things. And then they come back later and they let us know that this helps them. And that's why so many of us yeah. do this. That's why so many of us have built at least a part of our business around helping other writers. The ideas that they're putting out there, the justifications that they're putting out yes. there that are illogical, that are not considering the actual history of what's gone on. And those are things that other new writers are going to read and they're going to get it in their head and they're going to try to do the same things and make the same mistakes. That's uh, that's where I stand on it. Whatever. If you want to write for HuffPo, write for HuffPo, but don't tell people to shut up about them exploiting <laughs> writers. That's not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> and on that note, I think that's all we have for you today. So a big thank you to Lori for helping me kick the show off again. Hey, thanks, Jen. I always appreciate having I will have you back. You. We'll have to do one on having our yeah. own blogs, owned media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to include a few links where you can read more about this issue in the show notes, which you can find at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 17. Yeah, and don't forget, uh, the whole month of May, I devote to what I call Writer's Worst Month. Uh, it is a month full of posts and advice to help new writers understand their value in the market and take hold of it. Definitely check out Lori's blog at wordsonpageblog.com throughout the month of May, and I will again link to that in the show notes for you. I'll link you to past articles from her Writer's Worth Month so you get an idea of the kind of content you'll find there. Now, do you want me to tackle a specific issue in a future episode? If so, you can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allindywriters.com slash podcast by emailing me at jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindywriters.com, or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 17, and you can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.